So pray with me. Dear Heavenly, Lord, dear Heavenly Father, um, my heart breaks for, for this young man that I mentored and have known for a long time and for his wife. And he had just posted some pictures on social media of, of playing ping pong with his little boy strapped to his chest with some college friends. And um, he's such an amazing young man who has fought through a lot of um, his own pain and suffering in his life. And he gives and he loves deeply and my heart breaks for him and his wife. I remember his text of how happy he was that their little boy was born. And um, uh, I don't know what happened, and I don't know that they're sure if it was if there was any kind of foul play. They're not really saying that. So, on top of the tragedy of losing his son, he also he went to the spot in the park where this girl was going to take her own life, and he prayed for mercy and for grace for her. And I just want to hug him. I just want to hold him tight. And I pray you give me that opportunity soon, Lord. Um, just lift him up to you, Lord, and hold him tight. He's struggled in his, his belief and his faith, and he's been up and down and all over, but he's never wavered in knowing that you're near. And so I pray, Lord, you'll help him to feel you in overwhelming ways. Help us, Lord, as we open your word. We talk about how words can cut and how words can hurt, and I pray that we would always um, lean more towards encouragement because we all have in us um, the ability to really hurt people. And I don't want to be like that, and I don't think anybody wants to be like that, so help us to be guarded from that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I've said for, a, we've mentioned this before, and it's come up before, uh, where as a kid, I remember the phrase, sticks and stones may break my your bones, but words can't hurt you kind of thing. And we all know that that's a lie. And the Bible is very clear from Old Testament through the New that words are terrible. I mean, the opening of James is how your tongue is able to destroy and cut. And even we talk about the power of the Word of God. And so you can't just say that words will never harm you, that just take a beating with a stick and stones and then the words just and this is what we tell our kids when they're really little you know they're just mean just let it go they're just you know they're saying bad things and just just ignore it just ignore the bully and as i've gotten older i wonder if we should probably tell our kids when someone says mean things to you just punch them in the mouth because sticks and stones the, the bloody mouth will heal but the wound of what someone tells you stays with you forever like, it, it, hang, it lingers in you. And I think if we all, if you took a little bit of, maybe you shouldn't. I'm not, maybe I shouldn't tell you to do this. But I bet that if you sat there for a few minutes, you could think about something that somebody said to you when you were a kid, and you still remember it. Whether it's a classmate, whether it's a parent, whether it's when someone is, or maybe even the good thing, someone's encouraged you. And that changed everything. It made you feel great and proud. And you think about the power of words that can haunt us. Just like the word, I love you. You remember the first time you said that to someone? Not a parent. I mean, you should probably be saying to your parents all the time. You better love your parents, and they should love you. But you remember like the first time, the first person that you actually opened your heart up to? You probably remember where it was or when it happened. You probably remember those things. Or what about when someone told you they hated you? 
they couldn't stand you. They didn't want to be around you ever again. Or you're worthless. You make me sick. You're going to amount to nothing in your life. You ever been told that? Someone looked at you in anger and just cut you so deep. Or a coach, a pastor, a friend, a parent. I'm so proud of you. I know people that have never had an encouraging word from their parents ever. They'll tell me like, you know, I never heard my dad say he was proud of me. I never heard my dad tell me he loved me ever. Never had someone really just take me under their wing and encourage me and just with words. That's devastating. But then you hear stories all the time. Man, this one coach, this one person, this one guy, this one youth group leader, in my, the world of hurt and pain that I have in my life, this one person was right there for me. Allowed me to, took me out to lunch, hung out with me, just talked to me, encouraged me. And then if you're going to have more than one child in your home, each of your children have different ways that they need to be approached, don't they? And you got to figure that out. Well, you say to one child, is they, they take that encouragement, they run with it, and the other one needs maybe a little more firmness. I'm not going to tell you which of my children needs more firmness or not, or the other encouragement, but it seems like it's seasonal with both of them. Sometimes Eli just needs to be told, hey, knock it off, and he's fine. And other times, I have to be a little more forceful with my words. And the same is true with Savannah. And there's a, there's a danger in our words, and, and as we go through these, these the, in Proverbs 26, you have to, there's a, there's a razor edge in the words that we use and the words that we say between this is okay and this is not okay. There's sometimes you have to be firm and you have to tell people how it is. There's other times you need to hold your tongue. And it's really the whole, I'm going to give you the end of the sermon. You need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that's going to help guide your mouth or you just need to shut up. Like you have to have a relationship with God and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to listen and feel the presence of what I should say or what I shouldn't say. Because if you get legalistic with what we're going to go through the Proverbs, then all of a sudden you're going to say, you know, I'm just not going to talk to anybody. I can't tell a joke. I can't have any humor. I can't pray. I can't rest on my relationship with people. But if you also have that closeness, that's when your words can really cut and hurt a lot. So in Proverbs 26, I'm just going to read um, 19 to, uh, yeah, 18. <clears throat> I'm going to read it, and then we'll break them down. Oh, we'll get to that minute. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart, Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. 
A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. But we also know as th- this is all this half of the proverb is all about nasty talk and how it's very pervasive and how it can really destroy. But we know that words are also a great encouragement. When you read John three sixteen, and you realize everyone who believes in him is not going to perish. Like that's a powerful passage to have memorized to share of God's love and that no one is too far from God. Like that, those are powerful life giving words. Or Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So even the words coming out of your mouth, you have words spoken to you over you. And then when you confess with your mouth and you proclaim Jesus as Lord, it's a, so our mouths are, are great tools good but they can also be great vessels of destruction and so in the proverbs 26 8 19 18 to 19 like a madman who throws firebrands arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says i'm only joking do you have a friend or a boss or uh maybe it's you that you'll say something that's really sprinkled with the passive aggressive thing that you really want to say then you back the back end of it you say i was just joking you know it'd be nice if you'd actually do something today i'm just joking you really meant like could you get off your butt and work today or gosh is that are you gonna go out of the house looking like that i'm just joking like we back end nasty comments with "I, I, i was only joking no, you weren't. You're being completely honest in what you said, and you tried to soften the blow by saying, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. No, you're not. And it becomes a pattern where you're really throwing stuff out at someone, but you kind of try to temper it. It's deceptive talk. It can be an embellishment, an exaggeration, a half-truth, an omission, a misrepresentation. But you're saying things, and then you just try to, at the back end of it, say, I was only joking. I'm just kidding. I didn't really mean that. No, you meant it. We all kind of do this. We all exaggerate. We all twist things a little bit. We're all prone to it. I'm not saying we should be proud of that. Uh, Like, I've got a couple teenagers in the house now, and there's always, like, running things through the filter. Hey, Eli. What time did you get home last night? Because I went to bed. Oh, you know, I got home about. <coughs> I never ask a question I already know, don't know the answer to. Like, I have a log of when the garage door opens and closes. I know when you got home. I'm not dumb. <laughs> but then it's like, well, you know, I was, hey, did you get your homework done? Yeah, 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 I worked on it. It's not what I asked. <laughs> We're all prone to that. Or it turns into, um, we find, and it's really, I mean, adults do that too. How many of you have, don't raise your hand, because we've all done this. How many of you have taken a sick day and you weren't really that sick? But your employer gives you so many sick days, they don't let you have just comp days or just days off, so you have sick days, and so you're like, ugh. And then we'll tell ourselves, I just need a mental health day. Which that's something I've only heard in like the last 10 years. 20 years ago, you wouldn't have said that. Um, when I was teaching high school, we were given one sick day and one personal day per month, and you banked them. It was, you had 
you could retire with like 180, 200 sick days banked and they would write you a check at the end of your career and here's all your sick days you didn't use. It was awesome. But they changed it all about 10 years ago after I was long gone because they, got, they, they were putting teachers in a position of lying. And they said, well, you know, I'm sick. Well, you're not really sick. You just need a day off. You got things you need to take care of and you're out of your personal days. So let's just get rid of all the lying and just say you get so many days off. We're not going to differentiate it between sick days and then personal days. Because I think you get like four personal days a year and one sick day a month and you accrue them. And so you're just causing people to lie. And so, I mean, that would kind of fall into this kind of deception, deceptive talk. Just be honest. I just need a day off. Okay. You can take a day off. You have this many. You can use them. But instead, we all kind of... It's always funny how sick days always happen when it's really nice out. <laughs> We're going to get, oh, it's going to be really sunny and nice. <laughs> I think I'm going to be gone tomorrow. Right? Proverbs 20 and 21. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. <clears throat> this usually starts, uh, this person is, it's contentious speech. It's, these are people that love to stir up conflict. They love, for, they just love to fight. They just love to argue. It's like a pastime with them. What, what can I get mad about today? These people love uh, the current climate of social media and putting comments on things. They're just like itching to, maybe we can call them a keyboard warrior. They just love to, you know, say things and put comments on stuff. And we just love to get ranty and rage and, Right? But sometimes you'll hear people with kind of words of, you'll say something in a conversation, in a class, in a, something's happening, and they're the person that's, that's kind of waiting to go, well, actually, this is what really happened in that. Well, actually, this is what it really means. You're an idiot, and I'm going to tell you what it really means, and you just start a fight. Is that, is that helpful or not helpful? I mean, there's times you stand for the truth. We'll get to that in another proverb in a minute. But is that, are you just always itching to correct everybody? Are you really that smart at every aspect of life and intelligence in the world that you have a comment for everything? That can be very contentious. You stir up conflict, you're just very quarrelsome. Um, or like this is the kind of, in the church world, and I'm not going to look at any of you because I don't think I've ever heard of you say this, but I don't, also don't want you to think I'm thinking about you. So I'm going to turn this way. Yeah, like in the church, this will be a person that says, if things don't change around here, I'm leaving the church. You ever heard that before in a church? Or in a place of business? If things don't change around here, I'm out. And then how do you react to that? Then you're holding hostage. You're in a conversation, and you're trying to hold hostage the entire situation by saying, if you don't do it my way, I'm picking up my toys and I'm going home. It's a contentious person that's always quarreling, always trying to stir up some kind of argument. Never satisfied. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Um, I think this speaks into gossip. That we're all prone to this, aren't we? We all are. Like all like. 
I hope you're not sitting there going, I have never done that <laughs> on any of these. I hope you're not, because then we need to have a whole other conversation about how delusional you are. But I also don't want you to sit there and go, I'm so terrible. Because the answer to all of this is Jesus, and we'll get there. But we, we all are prone to this, and we have to be so careful at what we do and how we talk, and we're all right there. Like I, When we hear the juicy gossip in town, or in your family, doesn't it kind of like perk our ears a little bit? Like, can you believe what so-and-so did and what's happening over there? And it's, I've been subject to that quite a bit here in the last couple months, I think. At least not to my face, but I also know people, so I'm not dumb. I know, what, I know what's probably being said all over the place. But how quickly, what's the update? Did you hear? Oh, my gosh, did you know? Again, don't raise your hand. <clears throat> how many of you have at least looked at the random magazine gossip rags are in the grocery store checkout aisle. Like you're walking by, they put them there for a reason because they're preying upon this part of us. And you're in there and you're like, oh, the royal family, they're at it again. Why do I care? Like I live in a country that broke away from them. I shouldn't care about the royal family, but why is it everywhere? Like that preys upon this, like I'm going to get in there. What is going on? Facebook is famous for that. Um, I let a, this, was, pro, this was, was a dumb teacher decision, um, and, but I was trying to teach a class. I wasn't trying, I was teaching the class. And we were talking about the power of the written word and propaganda, and we were talking about leading into World War II and how quickly rumors would be spread and how all this stuff would happen. And, and so the class said, let's see if we can make a, a rumor happen in school. And I was like 27 and dumb. It's like, oh, yeah, this would be great. Let, let's do this. this they, they brought it up. This would be cool. And so two kids in the class, it was right before lunch, they decided, and one person decided to start the rumor. We're going to see how fast it spread around the school. And so it was about two kids in class, and this one person went to her lunch table and said, hey, did you hear that so-and-so, they kissed last night at a party? That's all that was going to be said. And the next day, 24 hours later, came back and they, the rumors had already that this girl was pregnant, that they had set, it went all over the place. <laughs> and they weren't even dating, like they're not even, they're just friends. And then it caused a stir. It's like, oh, we gotta, I gotta slow this down. Like this, this could have been bad fast. So it was a very unwise decision. But in 24 hours in a high school, it wrapped around like crazy. I watched the rumor mill happen a couple weeks ago. There was a party that got busted. And then Eli, within moments, has text messages. And he gets the lowdown of the story within like 10 minutes of what happened at this place. And he wasn't even there via text and social media. And you used to take a school time to have that. It, very quickly, I mean, we, we're all prone to that. What's going on? What's happening? Now, as as a leader in a church, sometimes you have to talk to elders and staff about things going on in people's lives so that you can help them. That you, like, you need to know, we're walking into this situation, you should know a couple things before you get into this. And that's not gossip, but there's a razor edge of sharing. Like, what, have you ever heard that in a church setting? This isn't gossip, I'm just sharing so we know how to pray for this person. 
And it very well might be that you're going to walk into this situation and say, listen, I think you can be really good at reaching out to them. I'm going to give you a little bit of the background, and then you need to go. But it can be really close to just gossip. But if you don't know the information, you don't know how to help somebody either. So it's a razor's edge of sharing and helping, but really it's about that the evil heart, which is the second part of the Proverbs. A glaze-covering earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. So you have this earthen dirt glazed over, and we get the picture of fervent lips with an evil heart. So what's the phrase? Put lipstick on a pig kind of a thing. That's what the, the author's getting at, is that if the same lips, that if you could just pretty them up, it's the heart that matters. It's the evil in it. Like, are you trying to stir up trouble? Are you just trying to be in the know? Or are you really wanting to help somebody? Are you really wanting... It, it, it's a razor's edge. And the Holy Spirit's the only one that can guide you. Is this something that needs to be shared so we can encourage and pray and be there and support? Or is, am I just having this conversation because I like to just gossip? I like to be in the know. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Um, a person filled with that kind of hate can't, be kept, can't stay hidden forever. That if you're filled with that kind of hate and deceit, it, it leaks out. When you really have that kind of, you don't like people, you can't stand people, um, this could lead to the far extreme would be racism, would be a prejudice against a certain group of people, and that gets stirred in people very quickly. I mean, you can take issues that, I mean, we see all over the world. You can take an issue of a different belief, a different understanding, a different location, a different spot, and you quickly stir people up into a place of, of hatred. Like, I mean, not to continue talking about World War II and teaching high school, but I used to show multiple World War II posters that would cause Americans to have horrible stereotypes towards Japanese and Germans and during the time of, of whipping us into a, a support for the American to, to go fight evil to go you demonize your opponent and so there's if you if you would just go back and look just google World War II posters there's every stereotype against Japanese every stereotype against Germans just non-stop to get us to be willing to go against our enemy. But you keep that going, you're going to have a hatred. Do you remember when 9-11 happened? Anybody that was from the Middle East was immediately put under a microscope. Everybody. Whether for reason for or not. Everybody was. There's story after story after story of people being brutalized in the, the weeks right after 9-11. It doesn't take much to get people to be projected towards uh, uh, an enemy if you start stirring hatred in people's hearts and you're going to be exposed it's going to happen we're going to you will be exposed and you start having that kind of talk and that kind of like we're not having that conversation we're not doing that what is your problem that's not how the, it works in the church it's not how god sees people like you will be exposed but there's hatred right under the surface of people and it's a pretty easy thing to to poke and prod and move people towards things it's kind of scary, really. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. 
A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Flattery is a form of manipulation to get what you want. And again, this is one of those razor edge things. If you, this, this isn't giving someone a compliment. This isn't a genuine, like, I'm proud of you. You did a great job on that. This is more of a flattering, it's kind of a, um, it's a way for you to get the person to like what you're saying or to, or to come closer to you because you're laying it on thick with them. Um, the commentary I read was that flattery is one of the number one factors in affairs. That you start with some kind words, you start with the flattery, how great you look, how good you are, and then you lead down a really dark road. But this, I don't want you to think that you can't tell someone something nice. Like if you really were impressed with their performance, or like you can't just say to a coworker, like, man, you really killed that project, you did great. Oh no, I can't say nice things now because I think I'm flirting with them. But it's a razor's edge. It's in your heart. Are you really paying compliments because you want to encourage? Because you want to help? You want to sustain? You want to, or are you giving compliments because you're wanting that person to be drawn closer to you, so that you can have more flirtatious relationships? That the flattery isn't just, hey, you did a great job, or hey, like I'm, I've never been the person to go, gosh, you look really nice today, because. That's, that's a step too far. So ladies, I'm not going to, I don't often compliment you on your dress or your hair or your, because that's just a step too far. But I, I appreciate you. I encourage you. I want to, I hope as a pastor, I'm encouraging people. I hope, but it gets creepy when it's like, mm, you look nice today. <laughs> it's not Okay. But I don't, want you to, I don't want you to read this Proverbs and say, man, if I say something nice to somebody, it's flattering, then that works ruin. But you have to trust the spirit. You've got to, li- like, should I compliment this person? You did great when you were on stage and you led that song. You did great when, man, you really know how to teach this in this study. Man, I feel really encouraged that I'm around you. You really helped me out through this situation. And, but, but be careful because if it's a manipulation to get what you want, If you're going into that conversation going, I'm going to say some nice things because I want this to happen. That's when you've crossed the line. So be careful. I just told you that one of the most powerful things you can say is you're proud of someone. They did a good job. There's so much evil that can be said to people. There ought to be so much great good coming out of encouragement. So don't be afraid to encourage people and to say nice things about people, but just guard your heart. Be sure you're not flattering just to get something out of somebody. And jump into Proverbs 24. Um, We've been in 26, but in 24, the author says, partiality and judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations, but those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Um, This is a perverse speech that kind of twists the truth. This is the kind of stuff where um, false religions, false teachings, um, when you start calling sin a good thing, if God says it's a bad thing and you say it's a good thing, that's where we land in perverse speech. 
that you, 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 you can't look at the wicked and say, you did a good job. That's awesome. I agree with that. This is the danger of false teaching coming in and saying that if I would say, well, the Bible says this, it says this is behavior that's not acceptable, and then you come along and say, well, that's not what it really says. Or you don't know my story, or you don't know what I've been through. That's, that's a perverse speech when you're, you're pushing back against the truth that's right in front of your face. And we're all prone to this, aren't we? In those moments when the Spirit's trying to get you to do something or trying to open your eyes to something, we're all prone to going, well, not me. That one's not for me. I'm not supposed to help that person. I know the Bible says to love your neighbor, but my God didn't know about my neighbor. I know I'm supposed to forgive seven times 70. I know I'm supposed to forgive and forgive and forgive, but the Lord knows that this one hurt bad, so I'm not going to forgive this one. No one said it was going to be easy. No one said that, it, that life with each other was going to be perfect all the time. And if God calls us to forgive, if God calls us to serve, if God calls us to, to share our story and share our faith, you don't get to go, but not that person, because that's a tough person. And then you jump into even deep, like a, a true passion for people to be loved and to be saved and to, you re, that's, that's a good thing to have. But you can't then come over here and say, no, all religions lead to the same place. You can have a, a supreme love of people. I see this a lot. Where people just love people, they want the best for people, they love the underdog, they don't want people to be slighted or to be messed with or to be marginalized, they can't stand bullies, they, they just love people. And so in your heart, you start going, well, I know, I know the Bible says there's only one way, I know the Bible says you need Jesus, but I just, I can't, I don't, I just can't get to the place where someone who's far from God or believes in a whole different faith I'm not going to talk to them about Jesus because I really, I'm just praying that we all, all roads lead to the same place. It comes from a beautiful heart of wanting everyone to be in heaven, everyone to be saved. Every, but then you got the tension of, I got this really hard conversation. No, Buddha's not the way. Allah's not the name of God. It becomes tense. Be careful. Now, you can't be the other way. Walk in with a fist. This is the only word of God, and how dare you, and you're a fool, and you're going to burn. And well, You don't get that, because no one's going to listen to you. It's a, it's a fine line of being loving and caring, but not sharing the truth. And we have to be careful because perverse speech distorts that truth. You have to stand on the truth with compassion. And when you start twisting the word of God, you're in dangerous territory. Um, how about bragging? None of us are prone to this, are we? 
well, you know, I did so-and-so and did such-and-such, and I am. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. Um, you ever been in an interview for a job, and it's the most awkward thing in the world where you have to brag about yourself because you want the job? You have to prove you have to argue that you are the best person for this job. If you just sat there and said, well, you know, I did some stuff and I'd like this job, but, you know, whatever. If you want to offer it to me, offer it to me. One of those moments you have to kind of pull out the resume and say, like, I did some stuff. Here's some things. I'm very good at this. You have to know your skills. And, but is that bragging? Is that what's talked about here? Let another praise you and not your own mouth? really getting at a heart of, do you, if you have something in you that's lacking, we've been talking about words, let's say that in your life, you didn't feel lifted up, encouraged, praised by parents, by friends, by coaches, by family, and so now as an adult, you have in you this desire, a desire to be loved, a desire to be praised, a desire to be known. And so then it leads you to a place of like talking about all your accomplishments so that you'll get that nod. If you're always seeking the compliments, you're always talking about how great you are, it shows a level of, it shows a lack of, of identity in Christ in you. Now, does this mean that someone pays you a compliment and you don't go, oh, well, uh, that's not true. I used to be really bad at that. It's very awkward, especially as in whether it's, especially in ministry. Yesterday, there was a beautiful memorial service for Kathy Clymer. It was filled with stories of her students and community and people, and it was awesome. And she told me when, when she was in hospice that she wanted me to share the gospel. And she wanted me to do it with a fervency. She was a theater teacher forever. And she's like, I don't want you to hold back. Okay, whatever you want. Um, I don't typically like go hardcore memorial services because that's not really usually the point. The point is to, to have celebrate this person's life and people aren't there for a, an evangelistic altar call. But that's what Kathy wanted. So I did it. And afterwards, people are like encouraging me. Now, that's hard sometimes because I don't, I didn't do that. I didn't, I don't do this job. I don't do this, this call of my life. I don't do it for the praise. But it's nice to be encouraged too. So it becomes this like, got to be careful. It's great to encourage people. It's great, or be encouraged by people. It's great to feel that you're following what God's calling on your life. But then... I start pressing into that and I start wanting more and more of it and I start telling everybody about it like I'm a big deal <laughs> it's budget season I better get a nice juicy raise because I'm amazing it's again it's it's really a matter of the heart it's okay to have a confidence it's okay to be proud of the things that God has put in you and instilled in you and he's used you for and you can share that with others. Man, when I did this, and man, I helped this person, and I did, it's okay. But if it, if it becomes a place where you're seeking all of that approval, 
it's driving me. I need to do more things so people say nice things about me. This, I need to feed upon this. Then it can be a dangerous space. You have to be careful. So to summarize, harmful words can hurt relationships. This, that's what the author, that's what Solomon's trying to get us to do, is to see that our words can crush souls. And our words can be great lifters of people's souls. And depending upon the situation, the conversation, you need to have a... Have you ever found yourself to be more short with people, more antagonistic, more... Um, you're less patient, you're less willing to be in that fight and be in that conversation with yourself when you aren't in prayer, you aren't studying the Word, you aren't in community, you aren't in fellowship, you aren't together with others. I think if when we are not exposed and we're not connected to the Word of God, we're not exposed to other people, it can cause in us, we get a short fuse. If all you're doing is watching, and, then, and now, which this is something that the, the biblical authors have to deal with, I hope you understand that whether it's cable news or social media, Facebook, that there's an algorithm that knows that the way to keep you engaged is to keep you angry. That the more angry you are, the more likely you are to stay on the page. That most social media, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you scroll on social media, like if you have Instagram or one of those things and you like flip your finger on it and it reloads and gives you more, that that's gambling theory and that you have a slot machine in your pocket. And they're using the same thing they do with people who are gambling addicts for social media and you have your finger and you swipe it and the little thing turns, it's just like hitting a slot machine and pulling the lever. They use the exact same psychology to get you to stay on social media as they do to keep you on the slot. You're being manipulated. And the more angry that they can keep you, the more you stay engaged. The more ads you look at, the more things you buy, the more things you touch. And so not only do you have what's already in our broken, sinful hearts, you now have an entire society and system that's capitalizing on that to make money from it. You have to stay connected to God or those harmful words are going to crush your relationship. And the only answer is Jesus. When someone said that hard thing to you, that terrible thing that still sticks in you, the only way to release that or to turn that loose is to forgive. Someone said something to you, like I, I can think of a couple things as a teenager. Um, one thing that was said to me in my early 20s and something that was said pretty recently, and it's sitting in my head. When you ask me things that have crushed your soul or things that have stuck with you, there was, it's, I, I, I'm not going to say, but it's right there in, my, in the forefront of my mind as I say the words. And the only way to release that, the only way to not let that have power over you, to sit in there, is to forgive. And the only one that can help you with that is Jesus. Think of all the things that he got, he got spat on, yelled at, messed with, taken to the cross, and he never had the same reaction that we would have. He had a perfect reaction. You need him. He's the one that gives you the, the power to forgive, the power to change yourself. If you're prone to one of these things, deceptive talk, gossip, if you're prone to one of these, the only way to change is Jesus. 
because it's in all of us. It's in all of our sinful brokenness. And the only way to stop it is to be connected to him. If you want freedom from one of these areas, it's Jesus. You can't really just quit. You can't really just stop. It's going to be Jesus, the Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your ear going, oh wait, this is about to get gossipy. We should probably go get some coffee. Oh wait, something nasty is about to come out of my mouth. I'm about to twist the Word of God. I need to back off. It's only the Spirit that's going to guide you. You need Jesus. All right, let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you again for this time that we've had together in your word. I pray that you would help us all. You'd help us all to be connected to you so we know what to say and how to say it. And I mean, it's, I know it's okay, Lord, to joke. It's okay to have sarcastic comments. It's okay to just be us. But it's such a fine line to where something that would come out of our mouths could cut so deep into a friend or even a stranger's soul. So I pray, Lord, you'll help us to, to fight back the, the wickedness that's in us. You'll help us to have life-giving conversations. But I also don't want us to be afraid to encourage. If, I don't want us to be afraid to, to really tell people how much they mean to us and how much we care about them for fear of it going in a weird place. That can only happen with you guiding us. This can only happen with us being connected to you and leading our conversation. There's so much at stake in people knowing you and knowing you in a deep way because of our mouths. So I pray, Lord, that we would never, we never cross that line. And when we do, I pray that we would be forgiven. And I pray that we'd forgive ourselves and forgive those who have spoken bad to us that we would only care about how you think about us, which is full of love and care and concern and beauty. Let that be what guides us. In Jesus' name, amen.